to Return to Ease, the show where we talk about different ways to live with more intention. Each week, we will discuss different ways to learn how to nourish our mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Rachel Pecora. I'm a licensed massage therapist and a John F. Barnes-trained myofascial release therapist. I am passionate about living an authentic life and want to help you return to ease. Today we have the healthy gut dietitian Katie Lovett. Katie is a functional gut health dietitian that helps people heal their hot mess gut and learn to find the root cause of their issues. She is the host of the podcast, Nourished and Thriving, and she is on a mission to empower thousands of women to get the answers they need in order to accomplish true healing from chronic gut symptoms. Katie believes that health is a lifelong journey, and if done properly, a fun and delicious one too. So welcome to the show, Katie. Yay. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about the uncomfortable stuff that no one wants to talk about, but everyone wants to talk about. <laughs> yes. It's we're like the elephant in the room, health. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're going to talk about gut health and how that kind of relates to our body as a whole. So I'm excited. Um, I get a lot of patients, clients that have questions about gut health and what they can do to to help themselves. And I hear different types of horror stories from you know, different um, gut-related issues. So I'm hoping that we can give them some great information to jumpstart their journey. Yeah, really excited to come on and share. I think you're right, like over 75% of Americans say that they're struggling with chronic digestive symptoms, but it's kind of like the elephant in the room. Like I said, like there's not any real clear guidance on what to do, who to ask for help, I mean, they go to their doctor and ask for help and doctor checks some stuff out. There's not like a disease to diagnose. So they just maybe give them a low FODMAP handout and say, good luck, or you have IBS, good luck, here's a medication. But there's not really any answers to that. And then they start Googling online and find, you know, all kinds of different information that some may be harmful, some may be helpful, some may just not really do anything. Um, and it can be really confusing, you know, for people to try to navigate. So I'm really grateful that you're sharing this information with your audience because it needs to be shared. Yeah, definitely. I know that um, Google is like a lot of people's go-to doctor before they actually go to the doctor. And I'm like, oh, no, no. <laughs> you know, Stop, my Google. Great info. <laughs> but not everything can be Googled. So it's it's good to have some experts to to shed some light. And, yeah. you know, people will go, like you said, go to the GI doc and everything looks great. And they get all these labs done and they're normal, which is great, but they're still struggling with these symptoms. And I think it's frustrating. I've also been in the same boat where the doctor is just like, okay, you have IBS, you have to deal with it. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like nondescript and they don't have yeah. an answer really other than certain medications that, you know, when you know your own body, you, you know, that like that's probably not what you need. So it just covers up the symptoms. It suppresses yeah. the symptoms. Yeah. It doesn't actually fix the problem. Um, you know, and it's not even really the doctor's fault. It's just the way the medic, you know, the medical world is. Yeah. Um, one of my best friends is a colorectal surgeon and she'll say, Katie, I need, like, I just don't have time. Like I have 15 minutes with each patient. I'm seeing 30 to 40 patients a day. And so she's a colorectal surgeon. So people come to her after they've already been to the GI doc. And she said, you know, people come and they have IBS and they want me to cut out part of their colon because they're so miserable. That's the only thing they think they can do. 
and they don't know like what to do. And doctors are given about six hours of nutrition education in medical school. And where I went to college, it was actually the nutrition students who taught them. So they're just not well equipped to navigate, you know, this patient care. And I actually had another um, client just last week actually telling me she's gotten great results. We've worked together for a little bit over a year. She's feeling better than she thought she would honestly ever feel again after feeling horrible for years. Um, just lots of like bloating and fatigue and muscle pain and stuff like that. Um, but she's seeing a functional nurse practitioner and, um, you know, it's, she's a great practitioner. I really like this woman, but she still is overburdened with patients. And, um, she told my client, she said, I'm so glad you have Katie because she's able, she's been able to really be there and like, hold your hand, answer questions, make adjustments as you move through things, because you can't ever just do one thing and assume it's going to be a hundred percent the right thing. Um, so it's just, it's a, you know, fallacy of the medical community, I guess is what I was getting at with all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that it's common in healthcare for a lot of different, um, you know, modalities or, uh, specialties. It's just, everyone's so busy and overburdened mm-hmm. and it was just a lot, the healthcare system. That's a whole topic for another day. All other issue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's sometimes you just have to kind of look for outside answers when you're not satisfied with uh, like a lot of people I work with know their body very well and they know this is not for me. So they start looking for outside answers and sometimes they'll come to me for myofascial release to help with some of their um, chronic gut issues, but there's more than I can help them with. You know, I'm not able to prescribe certain things. So it's helpful when they have like a, a team of people to to help their symptoms. Absolutely. So maybe you could share a little bit of your backstory with us, if you could, how you kind of got started on this journey. Yeah, for sure. So I started college as a journalism major um, because I did the school newspaper um, with one of my friends and she was doing journalism. And I was like, yeah, sounds fine. Let's like keep doing this. And I quickly realized I did not enjoy mass communications and journalism. Um, but as part of that journey, I had to take a science without a lab. And so I just had signed up for nutrition by chance thinking, oh, that sounds cool. You know, it, it's it'd be interesting. And I uh, realized I loved it. I loved learning about how our f- bodies use food, you know, to live and to function and how our bodies interact with food. Um, so I switched my major and um, quickly after getting accepted into the dietetics program, became disenchanted by it. Um, it was just very clinical, very outdated. It, it was nutrition that fit into that conventional medicine model. And it just wasn't what I was hoping it would be. Um, so actually graduated and got a really cool opportunity to go work for um, a food manufacturing company for Frito-Lay actually. And I was going to be doing their labeling. So I wrote their nutrition facts and their ingredient statements. I worked with marketing and legal on claims and making sure they were accurate. Um Because at that point, honestly, I didn't feel like I could make an impact as a clinical dietitian in a hospital because you you think about it, people in the hospital, someone will just have had open heart surgery, you know, bypass or something. And as they're getting discharged, you have 15 minutes to go into the room to try and educate them on what they need to be eating. And the things that we're required to educate them on are outdated. 
and you know that they're actually not going to help them. And then they have no follow-up, no accountability, no long-term support. And I just knew that wasn't for me. I was like, I just don't, I don't feel like I'm making a difference with that. And so I thought, you know, if I can go make sure this food is labeled accurately and the claims are accurate and not misleading for people, I can make a difference on a larger scale. Um, so I did that and it was really cool. And I've been able to use that learning and experience to now help my clients with, um, to know how to read food labels, because I think most people are very confused by, by what things mean. (laughs) Um, didn't love corporate. I'm from an entrepreneurial family. So I just, it was kind of like a square peg in a round hole a little bit for me. Um, so left that after we had our first daughter and honestly stepped away from nutrition. I I thought, you know, I I just am done. I'm still interested, but I'm, I didn't see myself going back until I discovered functional medicine. Um, and started learning about that. And I was like, this is what I wanted to learn. This is what I was, you know, hoping to learn in school. And through that found um, my advanced credentialing um, curriculum and course. And, and um, you know, to do that, you have to be a healthcare provider, and, uh, including dietitians is one of the options in order to do that credential. So it all happened for a reason and um, was cool that I got to, um, you know, finally dig in and feel like I ended up where I was meant to be from the beginning. Um, and then with gut health, this is getting like long winded, but, um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to focus on primarily, but once I learned and started really thinking about it, so many people are struggling, struggling from these gut issues that we were talking about. And the gut is foundational to, to health, to overall health. If your gut isn't right, if your digestive system isn't working correctly, if your microbiome is imbalanced, everything else is off too. And, um, quality of life as we age is really important to me. And so, yes, I focus on gut health to help people with, you know, urgent, more, um, you know, immediate digestive symptoms like bloating and all of that, but it's also foundational for long-term health, which I think people also care about. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think so many people have gut issues that, you know, the people that you work with, why do you think that you see so many of that or that there's just so much going on in this world or country? Yeah. So that's a good question. And I have another statistic. So there's 75% of people say that they struggle from chronic digestive symptoms. And there's also another study. It's a little bit, it's a few years old now, but I bet you it's still probably pretty accurate that says about 75% of the foods that Americans eat are little to no use for the microbiome, for the organisms living in your gut. So we're eating diets that are highly processed, lacking nutrients, lacking fiber, we're high stress, we're revved up all the time. Um, Our environmental toxins are like out of control. Um, Our relationships are strained. We're not living in community like we were created to live in, you know, with that support. Um, We're not moving our bodies. So (laughs) the list goes on and on and on, right? It's just like compounding factors upon compounding factors. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that now, you know, if you said that study is a couple years old, I bet that now it's even like a higher number because I think with COVID, a lot of people have really slowed down and haven't really picked up that momentum. A lot of people are working from home still. Um, Our lives are just a little different than they were a few years ago. So I think, I mean, I've noticed it in my own 
my own life and even the people that I work with, they're like, oh, I'm just not as active as I used to be. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's different. Yeah, it's um, just a different life now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I bet those numbers kind of have gone up some in, you know, many ways. So yeah, maybe so. Um, yeah, not great numbers though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you're here to help. So that's yes. great. <laughs> what kind of people do you work with? What's like your ideal client? What kind of person is coming to you? Yeah, I like people um, who are really ready to change, right? They are ready to take responsibility for their health and they need help navigating that, but they're not, they're not looking for somebody else to fix their problems. And I find that a lot, you know, in our um, medical world, people go to the doctor, have the, expect the doctor to fix them, right? Give them a medication to fix them, and then they leave. And there's not really this expectation of personal responsibility or accountability for our own health. And it's really disempowering because then you're relying on someone else for your own body's functioning. And so I'm saying that not to be cruel or cold about stepping up and taking responsibility. It's whenever you do that, you are so empowered and so free. So yes, I try, you know, to help people reduce their digestive symptoms. And I make suggestions on, on protocols and, you know, I call it the blueprint, you know, of what they need to be doing, but it's so that then they have a greater understanding in their own body and that the next time their digestive symptoms flare up, they have some levers, more levers to pull than they would have otherwise had to start out um, and be able to try and get it under control on their own versus relying on someone else to fix it for them. Yeah, definitely. Do you see people that have um, I, I guess you probably treat, treat people that have like IBS and constipation. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry. I guess. Yeah. So it, it's anything, you know, um, IBS, diverticulitis, um, SIBO. I do a lot of SIBO stuff, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. If you, if people haven't heard of that, um, reflux, diarrhea, constipation, bloating, um, just any of those things, you know, where, they just feel like they're not using their food right. And also autoimmune conditions. You know, if you maybe don't have obvious digestive symptoms, but you have an autoimmune condition like psoriasis or um, Hashimoto's, something like that, you would really benefit from having your gut looked at, your gut health looked at. Yeah. All of that factors into our overall wellness. And I think that it's becoming more mainstream now that people are talking about that. But for so long, that was like, not related, our our gut was not related to the rest of our body. And there, you know, yeah. obviously, we need it for elimination. But the, you know, there's a lot more coming out that's like, yeah, this is actually a really big part of our, our body is our gut health yeah. and taking care Absolutely. of that. And yeah, yeah, I struggled with a lot of um of my own gut stuff for a long time. I have very slow like motility and I I always had like skin issues and you know the for years I'd get, have different like prescriptions to help skin issues that I was having eczema whatever um acne whatever the thing was and then I got my my gut to start moving better and those things have cleared up and so it's it's interesting that they start coming back when I think things are slowing down or if maybe I'm not eating the right things or taking care of my body in the right way. Um, so it's just, it's interesting that I can see the difference in my body, you know, now 
before it was dealing with those things for years. I didn't even know that that was what yeah, the problem you was. Didn't, you didn't realize it. Yeah. And people aren't, um, you know, people don't talk about it. I think we have so, um, such isolated, like specialists in the medical world that they just are zeroed in on their one area. So you go to a dermatologist who's just looking at skin. They're not thinking about the rest of your body. And I think that's where functional medicine or functional nutrition can really be your friend and be beneficial because we're truly looking at the whole picture and how everything's working together. Cause our body is systems of systems, right? We have hormones that are communicators that, you know, tell our body everything all throughout and neurotransmitters and, um, our bodies don't function in silos like the medical world does. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, in my world, so I do myofascial release for my clients and I, I, Primarily, primarily help them with chronic pain. Um, I see all kinds of different reasons that people are coming to me, but more recently over the last few months, I'm starting to get a lot of people that are coming for myofascial release because of gut issues. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're either having elimination issues or just um, maybe they have hormonal issues or female problems or the list can go on and on, but it's affecting their gut. And they're just really starting to feel this stuff in their stomach. And, you know, I think there can be many different reasons that we have um, some gut problems going on. But, um, you know, I do like a evaluation on people too, get their medical history and see what's what's their background, because I think everything that's ever happened to our body is part of our, our story. And so a lot of people have had um, surgeries, um, they may have had, you know, their appendix removed, or they've had, you know, parts of their colon removed, because they've had cancers or other issues that are, um, you know, they have scarring in there, or maybe they have some kind of um, diverticulitis or something. And so all of that's like still stored in our tissues. So our body's still remembering all of those things that are going on and maybe it's calmed down and maybe it's not such an active issue, but the body is still hanging on to it. And um, we can have scarring that's just like pulls on the digestive tract, yeah. have scarring that's like that's wrapping around issue. our um, intestines, mm-hmm. um, people have endometriosis and sometimes that will get into the lining of the, or around the, um, the intestines as well. And so it could be coming from a million different reasons, um, pelvic floor issues. Um, a lot of times uh, men and women, but a lot of women, especially after childbirth will have pelvic floor issues. And that starts pulling up into the the pelvic bowl and, they may have tightness in the the pelvic bowl, but now they're constipated or they're having yeah. elimination issues, and um, yeah, so there there can be a lot of a lot of things that go into that. Yeah, absolutely, and that's like all of those situations that you were just talking through. Um, that's where like a lot of the time we'll see SIBO starting to happen, where you have bacteria that is supposed to be in your large intestine. It's not bad bacteria. Um, like a pathogen, it's just normal bacteria that's in your large intestine, which is where it should be, but it moves up into the small intestine. Um, and it, the food up there is not as well broken down. It's more easily digest, uh, fermentable by the bacteria. Um, and it can cause a lot of bloating and gas, um, constipation, diarrhea. It's actually thought to account for about 80% of IBS cases is the SIBO. Um, and so if somebody's having some strictures um, and scarring and stuff in their abdomen, that's, you know, you have to kind of go both, right? You need to like try to do the body work, which is, you know, what you do. It's so great because it can help release some of that, you know, those fibrous tissues 
But then you also have to go in and heal the gut. You know, you have to kill off that bacteria that's in the wrong place, restore that gut lining because those bacteria can really damage the gut lining. And you can develop um, what, what's called leaky gut that a lot of people heard of where things are getting into the body that shouldn't be there. And that's where you start having some of that widespread stuff like autoimmune issues, skin issues, um, even like allergies and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, and then rebalancing that microbiome and stuff. So it really, like you were saying, it needs to be tra- treated from both sides where you're going in and cleaning up the mess, but you're also going in and cleaning up the scarring and, and the tissues that were contributing to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know that like a lot of people that I talk to will be on these really strict elimination diets and they're like, well, I cut out gluten and I cut out dairy and I cut out corn and I cut out all these things. And I'm thinking, well, like, what do you eat now? <laughs> How do you possibly yeah. eat anything yeah. if you have cut out all of these foods? And so I think that sometimes they help temporarily. Um, but then I, you know, I'll, I'll hear well, it helped for a little while, but now my symptoms are yes. still, they're too scared to like go exactly. back to eating those things. They're too scared. Yeah. Yeah. For so sure. like, what do you suggest for people like that? Is that something you deal with a lot? Oh, absolutely. I hear very often, you know, Katie, I can eat five foods, you know, that's all I can eat at this point. And it, it almost always starts out just like you were saying, where they did one or two eliminations or they did a certain elimination diet. And that stopped helping. So then they cut out more and then they cut out more and they oh. never felt like they could add foods back in. And that's the entire point of an elimination diet is to cut it out for a short term, short period of time and then add it back in. A uh, low FODMAP diet is not intended to be stayed on long term. It's, it's supposed to be a couple of weeks and then you reintroduce. I'll use an elimination diet occasionally to really just help put out the fire um, and like calm the inflammation and calm the symptoms for like a short-term strategy. But you have to have a long-term strategy in there too, where you're building your tolerance back up to food um, so that you can tolerate more. And there's a real, you know, damage that happens with people's relationship to food as they go through all of this too, you know, and can develop some really disordered eating and fear of food. Um, and so I see that a lot and it's, it's very real and it's understandable, you know, as you're trying to navigate everything on your own. Yeah. And kind of back to what we said in the beginning, there's so much information out there on Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can really find so much. And then people are, you know, they're kind of driving themselves nuts, trying to find the cause of their symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can't really figure out what's going on. It's, it's frustrating for sure. It is. And then that drives up their stress, which makes their symptoms worse, right? It's just this vicious cycle. I really feel for people going through this. It's, it's really hard, you know, to navigate. Yeah. And I, I believe a ton that our emotions affect our gut health as well. Um, so a lot of times we have stress and, you know, you start feeling it in the stomach. That's usually the first place a lot of people will feel is like, oh, my stomach hurts, you know, or, mm-hmm. oh, I feel this pit in my stomach. Well, that's your gut yeah. <laughs> and your body's yeah. telling you what's going on. So mm-hmm. I think that, um, yeah, the, the emotions really do factor into, yeah. um, so, sometimes on a different level too, of like, if we're, if we are constipated and holding on to stuff, like what are we holding on to? Like, or mm-hmm. what's, what are we holding back or what are we holding on to? That's yeah. like staying in our body. Absolutely. And so sometimes I think that there's something else that's kind of a symbolic um, form of what we're actually feeling physically. Yeah. So that's there's a just- lot of, no, I, I think there's a lot of 
um, you know, clinical evidence, if nothing else, of, you know, emotions and spiritual trauma and wounds and all of that and manifesting in the body. And, you know, we are not our bodies. We are, you know, bodies and minds and spirits, you know, we're spirits with a body. Um, And then even just speaking on the physical level, if you're completely just ignoring the like mental and, and spiritual aspect of it, which I think are very real, like you were saying, there's also, you know, we don't just have one brain. It, it's We now are considered to have three brains. We have our cephalic brain, which is in our head and our heart brain and our gut brain. And um, each of those brains have the ability to learn information and, um, you know, fire on their own independently, um, you know, without the head driving the ship. So um, I think it's like, of our neurotransmitters are actually made in our gut. Um, So it's like serotonin, dopamine, that's all made in your gut. And so, yeah, if you ever have like a a gut feeling about something like that's your gut brain talking to you and you should listen (laughs) to it. (laughs) Don't let, you know, our head brains can get in the way, you know, of our intuition. And so I think there is a lot to be said for that. I actually speak to that some in my resource library in my, in my gut rehab program. Yeah. Is that part of your protocol for healing? Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's, we have to have a whole body approach, mind, body, soul in order to heal whatever our ailment is. It doesn't matter if it's gut health or, you know, some other kind of diagnosis that we have, but I think we have to factor in that we are more than just our body. And we have to look at all of those, those different angles to really have a true picture of what are, what we're actually capable of doing. Cause our body has an amazing healing ability if we kind of give it the the TLC that it needs. Absolutely. Yeah. I the other thing I wanted to ask you about too is I know that a lot of the people I see like I'll look at their medical history and they'll list all their medications and things like that. And a lot of them are on acid reducers. Lots and lots mm. of acid reducers. And I was just curious what your thoughts on that were. I mean I know sometimes we need them, but um there's like long-term acid reducers. And I just, I wonder if there's more to our body than just stuffing down acid producing gut. I think that's a great question. Um, you know, just like low FODMAP diet wasn't intended to be stayed on forever. Neither are these acid blocking drugs. I think, you know, they do have a place, um, like you said, but it's not as common as you would think. And, um, it really throws everything off, um, with digestion and can make your problems worse. Um, and it's just kind of like quieting the symptoms like we were talking about versus really fixing the problem. A lot of the time people are taking, um, acid blockers or, you know, like Tums, um, uh, uh, proton pump inhibitors, stuff like that. Um, because they have heartburn, right. Uh, or indigestion. That's like why they're taking it. Um, but a lot of the time they're not they're having those symptoms actually because of not enough stomach acid and not too little. Um, so whenever I, I teach this in my course too, in my, in my program, but, um, there's something called cephalic digestion. And that's where you start thinking about your food before you eat it. Your mouth kind of starts to water, your stomach starts to crawl, and you're just thinking about how delicious that food's about to taste. Really let yourself, here's a tip. So write this down. If, if you're taking notes, I hope you are. Um, let your mouth water, like really spend a few moments, just like thinking about how delicious that food is going to be. 
It'll allow your stomach to release about 20% of its stomach acid before you ever take your first bite of food. So then your stomach is primed and ready to receive that meal that you're eating. And then it's this beautiful orchestra. Like you guys, our bodies are so cool. I love geeking out on like how amazing and incredible our bodies are. Um, So it's this orchestra, right? Where our stomachs are very acidic. It mixes with the food. It kills bacteria. It starts to break it down. Our stomach is made for acid, right? It can withstand it. But then it goes into our small intestine and our small intestine is not, you know, set up like our stomach to have that acidity. So what it does is the acidic chyme is what it's now called, where it's the food mixed with the stomach acid. It hits the small intestine. The small intestine wants to neutralize that acid. So what does it do? It releases basic digestive enzymes that mix together with that acidic chyme and neutralizes it. So let's think about all of the places that that can go wrong, right? Where you're not preparing to receive your meal and letting your body get ready. So you're starting from behind, right? You're like not, you don't have the stomach acid to begin with. You're not chewing your food. Probably most people just kind of shovel it down (laughs) as fast as they can. Uh, So you really need to be chewing your food 30 to 40 times per bite, which it feels ridiculous. And if it does, that means you haven't been doing it. Um, And meals should Meals should take like 15 to 30 minutes, right? Set your fork down in between bites, chew, enjoy, be relaxed while you're eating. It's not possible all the time. I have three little kids and meal times can be stressful. So I get it. This is ideal, right? But, um, you know, pick a couple of things that you can integrate. Um, and so that chewing helps to break down the foods that it goes into your stomach. Your gut is not having to do as much work. So, um, and then gets released into the small intestine and it moves through more quickly. Your digestive enzymes get released in response to that acidity and then it's able to be digested. Um, So if you're blocking that acid with an acid blocker, you're not going to release the rest of your digestive enzymes, right? And so then you're maybe going to feel bloated and have some constipation or diarrhea and it can just really throw things off. So, um, you know, I just tell people start with that first, like just chew your food. If nothing else, chew your food really, really well. And I've had people say they've lost weight because they're not eating as much because their brain is able to recognize that they've had enough. So they're also not overeating and not struggling with reflux anymore because, you know, if you're eating so fast, your body can't recognize that it's had enough food, you're overeating. And I've had people's digestive issues completely resolve just from chewing their food. So it's definitely worth trying and it costs you nothing to do. (laughs) <laughs> Except some I time. love that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that's great. I you had made a post about that on your Instagram, and I thought, wow, that's really fascinating. I hadn't, you know, I don't really think about how much I'm chewing my food or how little I'm not, you know, how much I'm not chewing it. Yeah, yeah. And then I started like kind of mindfully counting, and I'm like, I'm definitely not chewing my food enough. It, yeah. you know, it's like that busy mindset. But I think that that's what you know, we don't have time for anything. Everybody in this world is so busy, 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 busy. So, you know, of course we have to get through a meal to move on to the next thing and and whatever. And we're always so distracted with our phones and this and that. So yeah, like sitting down and actually having a meal is different for a lot of people probably. And I'm like, I'm really aware of it now. So it's very different, but it can make a big difference in how you feel. 
Um, and if it feels overwhelming or something you just can't do, try it with one meal a day to begin with, you know, um, try it with the first few bites of each meal just to kind of start somewhere and then try to work up from there. Um, but that's something, you know, you have to be willing to do that. If you're serious about getting rid of your gut symptoms, you have to be willing to, to chew your food up because you can come work with me. You can come pay me to, you know, help you. But if you're not willing to do those foundational things, your progress and your results are going to be limited and you're still going to struggle. So I don't have a lot of non-negotiables with people that I work with, but chewing and really trying to like take their time and sit down at the table, it's almost a non-negotiable for me. (laughs) You just have to do it. At least try, you know, at least make progress and improvements. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, but... Yeah. Well, that's great. If people want to work with you, then that's what they have to know. They have to learn how to chew their food or (laughs) add it to my client contracts. (laughs) Now I think it's always like the littlest things that are the most impactful for our lives. And I think that that's what um, most of us miss is we are expecting some like great knowledge that you're going to drop by working with you. Like you're just going to be like mind blown and maybe you will be, but like, it's the little things like that that really keep us going long-term It's the the little things that we can implement daily that kind of kickstart, like kickstart the pebble and then grow into a bigger, you know, bigger, um, result. So absolutely. And it's piecing those little things together for you and finding what works for you. Um, I don't know if you saw, you said you checked out my podcast, but I have a few episodes um, on the six stages of gut rehab. If, you know, if you're listening to this, go like write that down, go save those episodes and give them a listen because it's the journey of gut rehab that I've noticed and just observed that everyone takes, Um, whether you're working with me or whether you're working with somebody else. But one of those uh, stages, um, the the third stage is short-sighted action taker. And um, there's two sides of this coin here where if you are doing it on your own and you're going at it yourself um, to try and rehab your gut or you haven't listened to me talk about it, (laughs) you are going to go in and just like you said, Rachel, look for the perfect solution and put all your chips on that solution and expect it to work perfectly And then you are always underwhelmed and disappointed at the end of the day because it, nothing, no one thing is the complete right answer. Um, now, whenever you're working with me, we do still take short-sighted action because we don't see the entire picture. It unfolds like a flower, like an onion, right? There's layers to it. So you see all the information you have in front of you right now, and we take the next best step. It's short-sighted action. Uh, based on the information we have, and then we assess and then take another step forward, depending on the results that we get. So it's very measured and it's very nuanced. Like you said, there's some really small little adjustments in there that can make a huge difference. But yeah, it's never, I've never seen it be this one humongous earth shattering change that just makes all the difference for somebody. And again, I think it goes back to wanting somebody or something to fix it for us. Um, cause that's kind of what we've been trained to do with taking medication or going seeing a doctor versus just the personal responsibility and empowerment of understanding our own bodies. Yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. That's 100% the key to healing our bodies is really being in charge of our own, our own health. So that's perfect. Yeah. 
Um, well, let's see. Before we wrap up, do you have any tips that you'd like to share? I know you just gave a whole bunch of knowledge. Do you have any other tips you'd like to share with the audience on things that they could help their gut health today? Yeah, I think, you know, I do have on my website, you can go download it for free. Um, an hour long training. If what I was saying about digestive enzymes and digestion was interesting to you, I have a free hour long training on that and a downloadable symptom tracker, um, and food journal. Go give that a look because, um, it, the thing that's really cool about the symptom tracker is I made it with an interpretation guide. So you're getting a peek into my brain and how I approach working with people. Um, so you're going to, you know, document and journal, you know, what you're eating and how you're feeling and symptoms. Like I made it really easy and my wonderful graphic designer made it really cute. And um, then the last page is an interpretation guide, like really helping you understand and decode what that information means because I'm sure you've heard, oh, journal your symptoms and see how you feel. But it can be really difficult to pinpoint causes, especially if you're struggling with constipation. I will say it's hard to it, it takes more time to understand your triggers and to understand what's working and what's not working because it may be three, you know, three or four or five days before you notice a difference or don't notice a difference, right? So it can be a lot slower. If you're struggling more with bloating or diarrhea or reflux, you're going to see those connections a lot more quickly. But know that knowledge too, as you go into the symptom tracker, you know, if you're struggling with constipation, don't be shocked if you find something that triggered constipation four days ago, you know, and you'll think, oh, it was too, like, there's no way that could have been it. But yes, like you need to look back that far. Um, but yeah, go check that out and we can drop the link, I think for him, right, Rachel. So that yeah, oh, yeah, see that. yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really great, helpful resource, I think for people. Awesome. I will definitely link that in the show notes below. And then I will also, um, link your Instagram too, because you have a lot of really good info on there. People can look you up and follow along on your journey. Um, is there anything else you want to share today? Yeah, I think that we've covered a lot. Thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, come message me on Instagram. Come follow me and and say hi. I'd love to talk with people if you have questions or, you know, not sure what next steps to take or anything like that. Just reach out and say hi. We can talk and kind of see where you're at and what you're needing help with. Um, but yeah, if you're if you've been struggling for a long time, I do work with people um, you know, year round. I ha I don't have like an open closed, you know, program or anything like that. Um, but yeah, you can go to my website and learn more about how I work. You can talk with me. Um, and I'd love to help you because this is really hard to navigate on your own. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. And we will yeah. see you on another episode. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rachel. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Return to Ease. Before you go, show some love for this podcast by leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you and stay tuned for the next episode.